Let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We are the body of Christ. Now, there are a lot of different ways to think about being the body of Christ. We can think of the body as those who participate in the body and the blood at the Lord's Supper. Or we can think of the body like one of those pixelated looking photos where if you look really close, it's made up of a thousand smaller photos. A Jesus Christ, when you're zoomed out, and Elisa Britt, Elise Henry, when you look small. Now, those are all right ways of thinking of the body of Christ. But today we're going to think of the body of Christ like this, as a body politic, which is to say a group of people considered as a collective unit who obey one authority. Now, for those of us who live in Portland or Oregon or the United States of America or any nation in this entire world, we know that being a part of a body politic involves rules, ways of setting up our society so that human life can flourish. So what are the rules of this body politic? What are the rules of the body of Christ? Well, today we're going to talk through the four rules from 1 Corinthians 12 for us as the body of Christ. And here they are. Rule number one, difference is designed in. Rule number two, Christ is central. Rule number three, collaboration is key. And rule number four, the rejected become the accepted. So rule number one, difference is designed in. Now, if you hadn't guessed, we are different from one another and not just superficially so. We are different from one another in deep, basic ways and we have been from the very beginning. Listen to who were a part of the body of Christ in Jesus' days, a corrupt tax man, a woman with a very unstraightforward marital status, a political activist, powerful religious leaders, obscure religious leaders, fishermen, day laborers, ethnic and religious outcasts, people with disabilities, people with chronic illnesses, children, women, men, people who had studied under the most renowned scholars of the day, and people who didn't have any education at all. According to the Bible, the people who gathered around Jesus were all sorts of kinds of people. These were people with very different backgrounds and very different goals in life. There are the powerful and the unimportant. There are the strong and the weak. They're the hearts and the hands and the knees and the elbows. These people are the body of Christ. These are the people we shouldn't be surprised to find sitting next to us on a Sunday morning. In the body, we all have different parts, 
but we are brought together through our discipleship to Christ. Somehow, however, sometimes, however, we think that we know better than God how exactly we fit into the body of Christ. Sometimes it takes a little trial and error, actually, to know that we fit here and not there. You know, there's this classic story in my family about when I went up to register for classes for my freshman year at Seattle Pacific University. So everything was really calm, really uneventful, or so my parents thought. Until as we, until as we were driving down on our way from Seattle, we stopped at the Country Cousin restaurant in Centralia. And we're sitting down, we're looking at our menus, and all of a sudden, I burst into tears and say, engineer. <laughs> My parents had no idea what was going on because number one, I had never said I was considering being an engineer. And number two, I had never showed any special interest or skill or love for science or math. What we didn't know is that I had been watching my friend Sarah's dad, Jerry Friesen, who was and is an engineer. And he had been going down to Central America to help farmers who were poor develop their infrastructure. And I had gotten it into my head that this is what I should do to be of most help to the world. My poor parents, who were so concerned as they're sitting at this table, could only say, but Britt, you don't need to be an engineer. The conclusion of the story was, I majored in Spanish and theology. I was trying to do what I thought God wanted me to do. But I had forgotten that God doesn't require us to be what we aren't. The body of Christ isn't a Frankenstein monster. Our old parts aren't very rigged into different places trying to build new things. The Lord has created each of us with specific gifts for a specific purpose. And God wants us to be who we're created to be. I can't tell you what a relief it was when I realized that there are people like my fiance, for example, who actually like doing all the things that engineers do. Arms don't have to do what feet do. Fingers don't need to get a college degree in how to be a knee. I'm feeling that this is exactly the kind of situation that the Apostle Paul wants us to avoid thinking that we know what the body should look like and then trying to fit ourselves into that mold. The body simply is what we are. And let me say that again. The body simply is what we are. But here's the trick. A body like that, you think would fall apart, 
a finger might want to go off and get distracted by some really interesting something over there. Or the arm might get tired and say, mm, can't lift my hand to the spoon today. But the trick and the second rule of life in the body is that we are held together because Christ is our head. Colossians 1, 17 through 18 says, he himself is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. Christ, Jesus, is the gravitational pull inside the body, pulling everything together. Jesus is the blood circulating the fresh oxygen. Jesus is the brain sending out signals of where the body needs to go and what the body needs to be doing. God in Jesus Christ, our representative, our example, our new Adam, breathes the life of the Holy Spirit into a new body and we become truly alive. This is a body politic alive. In Jesus, we find our purpose and the clarity to look at ourselves honestly. We are needed. We are needed. And we have a purpose when we are in Jesus. Jesus has a purpose for you. But sometimes gifts are unexpected. And sometimes they're not what we're hoping they would be if we're honest. Fernanda Ortega, who is a Christian recording artist down in the Albuquerque area, once had an experience of coming to grips with where he sits in the body of Jesus. He says, I had flown out to the East Coast to audition for graduate schools in piano performance. I'd worked hard for several years and knew my pieces well. I was pr practicing Chopin Ballade number three one night at the Juilliard School, nervous about my audition at Stony Brook the next day. Suddenly, I heard the very same piece coming out of the practice room down the hall. The person playing was a fantastic pianist. Technique to burn, gorgeous, mature tone, deep, thoughtful musicianship. I recognized instantly that at my very best, I would never be capable of playing the blood as well as this person. Thoroughly intimidated, I walked down the hall and peeked into the practice room from where the incredible sound was coming. Seated at the piano was a young girl, maybe 13 or 14 years old. The lesson for me was huge and devastating. In an instant, I became acutely and painfully aware of the limitations of my gift as a pianist. I was not a world-class pianist as I had secretly entertained in my mind. I was merely a good pianist, better than average, but by no means gifted enough to compete in the classical world I longed to be part of. I fell into a depression that lasted two years I began to sort out more honestly what musical talents I had been given and which talents I had not been given. I looked back on the whole experience and recognized God's hand of mercy on my life. This was one of the hardest experiences of Fernando's life 
And yet he says, he looks back and sees God's hand of mercy. Would that we all be able to recognize God's hand of mercy when we find out our limits. It's the hand of mercy because it's a lot of work to try to be what we are not, in fact, are. But one who has come up against a limit knows that it's not easy to see the mercy in it at first. But you know why limits are good? They are good because they push us towards one another. When we hit a limit, we are forced to ask for help. Maybe in some imaginary, really well-oiled body, other parts can intuit needs. But in real life, we have to voice our needs. Anyone who's been married or had deep friendships knows this. Sometimes we have to swallow our pride and say what we need. We have to say, hey, I can't get to where I need to get and I need a boost. And that's exactly the third rule of the body. The key is collaboration. Since you or I can only be one part, we need to figure out how to work with other parts. You want to see what collaboration looks like? Read the book Watership Down. But warning, I'm about to completely spoil the book for you right now. So cover your ears if you actually want to read it. The premise of Watership Down is that there are a group of rabbits who are on a quest to establish a new rabbit warren. The runt of the old warren, Fiverr, that's the runt's name has had a vision that the old Warren is going to be destroyed, which eventually does come true. He starts telling the other rabbits that this is going to happen, but the other rabbits mostly just scoff at him. A small group, however, believes and set out to leave with him in search of another home. Fiverr is small and weak, but at key points, he has visions that steer the band away from greater danger. But his instinct isn't enough to bring the band to a new safe home. His brother Hazel also isn't large or powerful, but he is loyal and makes sure no one is left behind. He keeps the band together. He becomes the band's leader. Then there's Bigwig, a large and powerful rabbit who is cunning and devises shrewd plans to defeat dangerous rabbits they encounter along the way. And the group definitely wouldn't have been able to get to its new home without clever Blackberry, who recognizes that wood floats right when they need to cross a stream to escape from their former Warren's soldier rabbits. Each rabbit has an essential role in helping this little group get to where it needs to go. Now, one of the parts of the story to note is that the weakest bunny, Fiverr, is the key the whole endeavor. And this is our fourth and final rule. The rejected become the accepted. In the body of Christ, the weak have a special place. This is what a healthy community looks like. 
the weakest are seen for their gifts. Remember back to that list of people who were a part of the body of Christ from the earliest days. As Paul says at the beginning of 1 Corinthians, consider your own call, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise by human standards, not many powerful, not many were of noble birth. We're a motley group. If we're honest, most of us are probably a little runty. But here is the glory of the Christian body politic. In the body of Jesus, the less respectable are treated with greater respect. The less honorable with more honor. God chooses what is low and despised in the world, the things that are not, to reduce to nothing the things that are, so that no one might boast in the presence of God. In the body of Christ, the rules of the world are flipped. The strong don't rule. Force and violence don't take the day. Because Christ is our head, we learn to honor the weak. Because Christ is our head, we can accept one another's differences rather than reject them. Because Christ is our head, we are held together, held together by communion, held together in the spirit, held together by a love that lifts up the weak and dishonors the dis and honors the dishonored. Amen.